0: You know, there is probably no time in history where the term relationship has been more used and less understood like our time. Probably there's no time in history where the term communications is more used and succeeded less than in our time. Perhaps there is no time in history where the knowledge of all human dynamics has been more known than in our time and yet less appreciated than our time. The motto of modern day relationships is what's in it for me? Or what have you done for me lately? I've heard someone on the radio not so long ago, he was talking about many of today's relationships. He said, we better should call them Releaching ship talk about leaching in our relationship and then he went to describe what leeching is all about i want you to listen very carefully because while this is true there is a reason behind that And most people see it they can have a, they have a feel that there's something wrong with all the knowledge we have and all the expertise but there's something but they never be able to, are able to tell you the reason for it i'm going to show you the reason today are you ready say amen Okay, fasten your seatbelt. <laughs> when we make relationships to be our focus, when we make relationships to be our number one priority, when we make relationship to be our goal in life, when it consumes all of our focus, it is like building a building and starting with the second floor. That's exactly right. If to have that image in your head of somebody is building a building, but is going to begin with the second floor. You are building on very thin stilts. A puff of wind will blow it away. And that is why, in spite of all the talk shows about relationships, in spite of all the obsession about relationships, in spite of all the experts on relationships that are coming out of our ears, in spite of the fact that so many preachers have abandoned the preaching of the Word of God in favor to preaching pop psychology and human relationship, in spite of all of that, our relationships are getting shallower and shallower. And that is why, my beloved friends, listen to me, that is why... It is not by coincidence or happenstance that God's Ten Commandments are in the order that they are in. God did not just throw ten up in the air and then they landed wherever they landed and they just came that way. No. The order of the Ten Commandments is God's way of saying to us, these ten are multi-story buildings. One floor is built upon the other, but above all, they all built on a solid and strong foundation. Without that solid and strong foundation, the building cannot stand. If the foundation is not right, if the foundation is not strong, if the foundation is not steady, if the foundation is not in the right place, then all of our efforts, all of our energy, all of our hard works about relationships will go into a building that we build in vain. Without a strong foundation, all of the efforts, all of the energy, all of the hard work that goes into building a building will not prevent it from collapsing as soon as the first sign of trouble comes along. And this is, listen to me carefully, the reason why relationships are crumbling today is because we ignore the foundation. The reason why relationships are shaky today is because the foundation had been bypassed. The reason why relationships are vulnerable today, more than any time in history, check me out on this, is because the foundation has been ignored And we think that we can begin with the second floor. And let me tell you something. I don't care how beautiful the second floor may look. I don't care how well you design the second floor. Without the foundation, it will collapse. And that is why God began His multi-story building by telling us to honor Him first and foremost before we can even know or be able to honor anybody else. That is why He began by telling us to love Him first and foremost, because without that, we are incapable of loving anybody else. And that is why God tells us to begin by placing Him first and foremost at the center of our lives, before we are able or capable of placing anybody else in our lives. Here's what God is saying. If the foundation is missing, sooner or later, the building will collapse. If you ignore the foundation, the building will not last. And that is why he only comes to the fifth commandment after he had given us the first four. Honoring your father and mother would not make sense if it came before you shall have no other God before me. If it came before, you shall honor my name above all else. If it came before, you honor the Sabbath day. What does it mean to honor your parents? And the word honor that is used here by the Lord in the Ten Commandments is the Hebrew word for heavy. (laughs) Heavy. I mean, literally, if I'm translating the Bible literally, I would say, heavy your parents. When you say that, Michael doesn't make sense. That's why the translators. Smart, and they said, honor your father and mother. What does God mean by heavy? Why does He use the word heavy, your parents? He is saying, listen, He is saying, give weight to your relationship with your parents. He is saying, heavily value your relationship with your parents. He is saying, show deep respect for your parents. He is saying, view your parents as a treasure and a gift from God. Now, of course, this command changes from age to age, and therefore its application to young children and those who are dependent on their parents is different in its application to those who are independent adults. And I'm going to make that distinction in a minute. In fact, you know, preacher, and I do that, some three-point three sermons, four-point sermons, or five-point sermons. Or five point sermons. I have two today. (laughs) In fact, they're really not two points, but the two groups of people that I want to talk to. Two groups of people. First, I want to talk to children. Young children, students, uh, uh, young adults. If you are dependent financially on your parents, you belong to that first group. The second group are those children who are adults. For young children, students... And those who are dependent on the parents financially, they are to obey their parents, period. (laughs) There is no discussion. That's it. It's over. Both in Colossians and Ephesians, the Apostle Paul said to the children, he said, Obey your parents, for that is right, period. (laughs) Not obey them only when you think they are right. Not obey them only if you agree with them. Not obey them only when you feel like it. No, obey your parents, period. I don't want to be misunderstood on this one, but listen carefully. The only time, the only time that you do not obey your parents if they ask you to commit sin against the living God, period. It's the only time. Otherwise, you obey them all the time. Now, when children get older, the relationship change. The relationship changes from obedience to respect. It changes from obedience to esteem. It changes from obedience to respect and valuing of their judgment. It changes from obedience to making your own decisions and being responsible for your own actions. It changes. I'm going to get back to the adults in a minute, so I'm not going to get tempted to move into that direction yet. So I want to speak to the young. I want to speak to the young. Because there's so many wonderful books out there written for parents. I think they're great. We've got tremendous resources. Some not so good, but many are great. But nobody writes books to children and tell them how to help their parents and how to deal with their parents. So today, I'm going to focus on children. The commandment is to them, so I'm gonna help them deal with their parents. Kids, I've got seven tips for you. And if you take a notice, write them down. Number one, tip number one don't shy away from speaking your parents' language. Try some strange sounding phrases like, Let me help you with the dishes. <laughs> or, Yes, sir. Oh, yes, ma'am. Number two, try to understand your parents' music. (laughs) I know it's hard at times, but try to play when I survey the wondrous Cross on your stereo until you get the sounds. (laughs) Number three, be patient with your parents' weaknesses. Did you know your parents are weak? You need to be patient with their weaknesses. If you catch your mom sneaking a candy bar, don't jump all over her. Quietly set an example. (laughs) Number four. Encourage your parents to talk to you about their problems. (laughs) All right? Let them talk about their problems. Get them to open up to you. Keep in mind that things like making a living... And paying off the mortgage are very important to them. Number five. Be tolerant of your parents' appearances. <laughs> when your father gets that hideous haircut, don't hide him from your friends. He has to look like his peers. All right? Number six. If your parents do something that you think is wrong, tell them, That you only dislike their behavior, but not them. All right? Number seven. Last one. Number seven. Above all, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for your parents. They may seem confident on the outside, but they feel weak on the inside. They need God to get them through these difficult years. Pray for your parents. Kids, try these seven tips. And if they work, write to me and let me know. But you know that social scientists... For years have understood that all behavioral patterns and relationship styles are really established by the age of six. They are already established by the age of six. And on some occasions, you can have a second shot between six and ten, but they're really generally speaking, all these behavioral patterns and relationship styles are established by six years of age they're already established. children who are trained at a very early age in the joy of obeying their parents, they will have no difficulty obeying the Lord or obeying spiritual authority. Children who at a very early age, who have learned to submit to their parents' authority, will have no difficulty submitting to God's authority, submitting to God's, the authority of God's Word. And that is why the Bible said to fathers, do not exasperate your children, but train them. And training not only in words, but in example. When a child sees his or her parents living in obedience to their Heavenly Father, they will learn to obey their Heavenly Father too. I heard not so long ago about a middle-aged father who was watching his own father in deep physical agony, in pain. And he was at a loss of what to do in the face of this pain that he's watching his father going through. And then he turned to his 15-year-old daughter, and he said to her, What would you do if you see me in this situation? And the girl said, I don't know, Dad. I'm watching you to find out. I'm watching you to find out. Kids are watching us to find out. Hear me right, please. Because children who are trained to obey their parents will grow up to obey their Heavenly Father. Children who are trained to honor their parents, they will grow up honoring God. Children who are trained to esteem and value their parents will grow up to esteem and value their Heavenly Father. And that is why, my beloved friends, the fifth commandment is very clear. It's very clear. It really doesn't need me even to explain it. It's very clear. Children, obey your parents so that you may live long in the land. Now, I need to give you an explanation here. Living long does not necessarily mean old age. There are wonderful, obedient, precious children who die young. And there are some rascals who live be old. So it doesn't necessarily work that way. I want to explain to you because this is really a Hebraic expression. It's a Hebrew phrase. Living long is something that understood by every Hebrew speaking person at that time when it was given to them as an expression which means that you will experience the fullness of God's blessings that you will experience the abundant life, that you will experience prosperous fulfillment in your life, that you will experience a joyful contentment in your life when you honor and obey your parents. Proverbs 3, 1 and 2 said, My son, don't forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life and bring you prosperity. Now I want to turn my attention to adult children and their relationship with their parents. You know, I have been privileged to see relationships with adults with their parents that are so marvelous, so wonderful, that I think some of them are probably able to speak about this more than I do. made me wish that my parents were around, that I could treat them that way, that I can have that joy that I have seen some people have in their relationship with older parents. And that is why I want to focus my attention and speak to that person who is having difficulty honoring his or her parents or parent. I want to speak to that person. Some of you might have experienced abuse growing up, and that is making you angry. Some of you have experienced uninvolved parents or parent, and that is hurtful for you, and every time you think about it, you do become angry. Some of you perhaps have experienced controlling parents who try to control and dominate your life, and that is making you beyond angry and frustrated. And because of all these things, and more that I can't even come to right now, because of all these things, you 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 feel that you can never honor your parents. You you can never esteem your parents, just as the commandment is, is saying. Some of you may be unable to forgive your parents, and for whatever hurtful things they've done for you, let me suggest something, very practical way. Sit down and write all the good memories, all the good things, and the positive things about your parents. Just write them down. I was saying this one time to a person in my office, and and I said, just get a piece of paper, start writing things. He said, "I, I can't think of a thing that is good that my parents did. I said, come on now. They didn't throw you out. They didn't abandon you. At least they gave you a shelter. That's good enough. Write it down. Think of anything that is good that your parents did. Write all that down. Sit down and write all the good memories. You say, Michael, you don't understand. You don't understand my situation. No, I don't understand your situation. I probably haven't been in your situation. But I want to tell you something. Listen to me. The whole subject of forgiveness, the issue of forgiveness is not a theory for me. It's something I dealt with firsthand. And therefore, I'm not preaching at you. (laughs) I am preaching with you. There are some who would say, you know, I really, I really have tried to forgive my parents. I really have tried, but I just don't feel that I have forgiven them. Let's stop right here. Feeling is an emotion, and I do not put down emotions. They are 25% of our personalities. They're an important part of us. Listen, I'm an emotional person, and and I never have any problem with that. There's nothing wrong with emotions. But there's something important you need to know about emotions. And that is, your emotions will follow the decision of your will. Your emotions will follow the act of your will. Now, with some people it might take longer, with others might not. So it takes short time. It doesn't matter, but they will follow. Sooner or later, emotions are going to follow your act of the will. I have learned a long time ago, I can pray all I want to pray, I can, I can ask people to pray for me, and I can read the scripture and memorize it, I can do all that, but I'm going about the wrong way. Until you begin with the act of the will, you're going to discover that your emotions, your feelings are going to follow. So don't worry about the fact that I don't feel like I'm forgiven. Leave that alone until I, I'm going to come to that in a minute. When you practice forgiveness, sooner or later... Your feelings will follow. You say, well, how do I practice forgiveness? Well, first, tell the Lord. who already knows everything. You're not going to tell Him anything He doesn't know. But you need to say it. You need to go through the saying of it. You need to confess to the Lord, Lord, I am unable or unwilling, depending on where you are. Because you've got to be clean with God. You're going to tell Him the truth. He knows it. Okay, So don't tell Him you're unable when you're really unwilling. If you're unwilling, say, oh, Lord, I'm not willing. I can do it. That's okay. Tell him honestly that you cannot bring yourself to forgive your parents. Secondly, get a pad and write down all the hurtful things that you think your parents have done toward you. Okay, once you finish that, write across the page Matthew 6 14 15. You say, What's Matthew 6 14 15? If you forgive others, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. Then get get another page, clean page. And then start writing all of your sins, secret and otherwise. Don't leave a thing out. (laughs) Write them all down. And then ask yourself the question when you've got the two in your hand and say, Do I want barriers between me and my Heavenly Father? Do I want my sins to stand between me and my Heavenly Father? Do I want my sins to hinder God's hand of providence, God's hand of protection, God's hand of blessing on me? And the answer, of course, is no. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand me. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 is not talking about the forgiveness of salvation. But he's, Jesus is talking about the daily forgiveness that comes from daily confessing and daily repenting and daily cleansing and that daily forgiveness that comes as a blessing, as a shower, daily shower of blessing from the hand of God. That's what he's talking about. Remember this. Remember this. I don't want you to ever forget this. Satan loves to keep you enslaved to the pain of unforgiveness. But the way you put your finger in Satan's eye is by practicing forgiveness. Why? Because forgiveness is your heavenly daddy's characteristics. Unforgiveness is Satan's characteristics. Whom are you going to emulate? Whose example are you going to follow? Who's going to lead you? Whom do you want to emulate? You know, I read a story that forgiveness and reconciliation without understanding the incredible shedding of the blood of the Son of God on the cross, without understanding the fact that I am a sinner and can only be saved through the incredible, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Sometimes these kinds of reconciliation and and forgiveness can be shallow and can be temporary. You know, true forgiveness must be deeply rooted in the knowledge That you are a sinner. You see, once you start thinking, I'm a good guy, I'm a good person, I'm a good woman, I'm good. No, 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 no. You will not be able to forgive, let me tell you right up, up front. Because true forgiveness is deeply rooted in the knowledge that you're a sinner, you're a lawbreaker, you're a rebellious person. But God forgave you. True forgiveness of your parents or anybody else for that matter must be founded upon the fact that God loved you while you were a sinner and a rebellious person. God loved you while you ignored Him. God loved you while you did not love Him. God loved you while you were at enmity with Him. And that is why all true forgiveness, all true forgiveness begin... And end with understanding of Jesus' forgiveness of you. Without the foundation, the second floor is going nowhere other than down. Without deep appreciation of the unconditional love and forgiveness of the Lord Jesus Christ, relationships will not hold. Forgiveness cannot be practiced in its truest sense by the relationship that is built on the strong foundation of Jesus' forgiveness of your sins and redeeming you and giving you eternal life will be true and lasting forgiveness. You cannot forgive and keep on forgiving without that understanding. And once... You have that deeply rooted in your heart. On a daily basis, you can forgive. And you will keep on forgiving every day until you see Jesus face to face. My beloved, I want to tell you something. That is, I know of no other way. I know of no other answer. This is it. And it is my plea with you that you will take it to heart and that you act upon it not just now because you heard the message and it's fresh in your mind, but act upon it for the rest of your life. It will change your life. It will change your environment. It will change your ministry. It will bless you in ways you can never understand in this side of eternity. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef recently featured on Leading the Way.